Hello, friend. I am so glad you're joining me today. Now, if you're listening to the podcast, you're not going to see what I'm going to say right now. But if you're watching the video, you are going to see a chicken walking back and forth in this video. The chick, you can maybe, I hope to God you can't hear them because they're screaming their heads off. Now we got these chickens thinking, hey, wouldn't it be a great idea if they could lay eggs? But these chickens have yet to put out. And I realized that all hens do not lay eggs. So you might see this giant chicken in the background. There are four of them running around. And I have to tell you something. Now, this isn't going to sound like the nicest thing to say, but if these chickens don't start laying eggs, like winner, winner, it's going to become a chicken dinner. Okay. I know that's a terrible thing to say, but I, I just want to let you know, if you see the chickens walking outside, can you pray that they lay some eggs up in here? These chickens, we've had them for almost a year. I mean, it feels like a year. God knows. Anyhow, I wasn't even going to teach today. I hadn't intended on doing a training today or a podcast or a video, but I was just kind of meditating this morning and there's the chicken. Okay. I was meditating this morning as I was getting ready and a concept came into my idea about the price we pay for things, not physical things, but things we want in our lives. Again, it's the new year. Many of us have made a lot of resolutions like we do every single new year. And most of us aren't willing to pay the price for those things. So it got to me thinking about the price of happiness. But then as I started to meditate a little bit more, I, I kind of, I'm making this video because to tell you the truth, I'm just being obedient. I got a call in my heart to talk to specifically addicts and alcoholics today, not the family members like I normally do. You know that at codependency and addiction recovery, we deal with the family members. We talk to the husbands and wives and partners most often who are dealing with addicts and alcoholics in their relationship and teach them how to get their own power back and navigate that dysfunctional relationship dynamic. But it's on my heart today to speak directly to the addicts and alcoholics who may or may be watching this. And many of you do. And so I hope that I can give you a message today and pour into you a brand new perspective that's going to motivate, inspire, and encourage you to take your life into your own hands with these tools I'm going to teach you today so that you can have absolute freedom from your addictions. That's my intention today. You know, whenever I worked at the drug and alcohol treatment center, where I was a teacher for almost a decade, that was some of my favorite work in the whole, in my whole entire career. And I've done a lot of things in my career, but I have to say addicts and alcoholics are some of the kindest, deepest, most sensitive, most loving people on the planet who are trapped inside of this personality that has taken them over, which we know as the addictive personality uh, once people cross over into addiction. And so being able to excavate their authentic selves, being able to get that hope and love and that trueness restored into their hearts and to see them actually be, be unveil their authentic selves, was some of the most rewarding work I've ever done in my entire life. And to this day, I am in contact with so many of those addicts and alcoholics that I helped inside of that program. And we stay in touch and they're sober 10 years later. And it is just a miracle to watch them transform. And what's the difference between the thousands of people I've helped over the decade I was there is the ones that actually are still sober today are the ones that took to heart this message I'm gonna to teach today. They are the ones that have paid the price for their freedom. 
most people aren't willing to pay the price to free themselves from addiction because they don't know the actual price. It's not because they don't want to get sober, right? So many people in their mind want to get sober, but what they really want is a spontaneous healing. They want the weekend plan. They want to go into treatment, have you fix them, shine them up and send them on their way and be done. If we're really honest, most people don't want to do the work that it takes in order to have long-term sobriety. They want the immediate gratification because the addicted personality is addicted to immediate gratification. So I'm going to talk today about the price we need to pay. Many times my father would come to me when he was an addict, when he was actively addicted, and he would say to me, I just would want to get this monkey off my back, but not realizing that you just don't pray and the monkey jumps off your back. You have to work. Prison you're in is a self-imposed prison. Nobody's going to come and unlock that prison for you, but you, that's an inside job. You put yourself in there and you've got to put yourself out. Now, right when I say that, there the, the, the addictive personality wants to make an excuse. It wants to correct me right now. And it wants to say, Heidi, I didn't put myself here. I was born addicted. Okay, well, if you went through withdrawal as a baby, then you were born addicted. But that's only less than 2% of the population. The rest of us trained ourselves into addiction. We trained ourselves into addiction. Okay. We didn't just happenstance born. Nobody's really born addicted unless you go through withdrawal. And every single person on the planet has the addiction gene. It's not that your grandpa was an alcoholic or it's down the line. Every single person on the planet has the propensity to become an addict or an alcoholic. And what makes it happen are some of the things I'm going to talk about today. So that leads me right into the first price that you must pay in order if you're going to free yourself from this addiction. And that is the psychological price. Addiction is a psychological disease. It is not a disease like cancer where it's not in your brain or can have, you can have brain cancer, but it doesn't originate in the brain. It's not a thinking disorder cancer. It's a biological disease, not a psychological disease. And a lot of people have misinformation. They think it is like cancer and there's nothing they can do about it. And just like the cancer comes back, the addiction just comes and goes as it pleases, but that's not the way that this thing works. So the psychological price that you're going to need to pay in order to set yourself free is you're going to need to have a radical new understanding of how you got here. You need to really know what addiction is and how it happens and how it forms. Now, I have a really great video on my on my channel in the podcast called The Simplest and Best Explanation of Addiction Ever, and that explains it step-by-step. Step. But let me tell you, how can anybody become an addict? Well, you do, you might have a higher... Uh, propensity to become an addict. And there are actually four risk factors that probably got you here. The one risk factor, I want to keep my notes today because I, I have to tell you, I, this, this message today poured out like a fire hose and I want to capture and not miss anything. So the first thing that um, you want to think about when you're having, when you're thinking about the psychological price, okay. excuse me, is you have to be willing to understand how your unique psychology got you here in the first place. You didn't get here because grandpa was an addict and you were born addicted. You got here because of your unique psychology and training, habitual use over time. So 
the four risk factors that got you here is the number one is that you are, are probably already born with a lower stress tolerance. That is research-based. We know that lower stress tolerances and all that's marinated in the womb, kind of how much tolerance stress you can tolerate and all those ingredients and those genetic things. So a low stress tolerance, yes. Also, you are a highly sensitive person. You feel things more deeply than other people do. You notice more things than other people do. You have a heightened sense. It could be to other people's emotions and feelings. It could be to your environment, but you are a highly sensitive person. You walk into a room and you have that spidey sense going all the time, okay? For everything, everything in, in your environment. You also have poor coping skills. And this can be environment, this is environmental, where you grow up in a family dynamic and you look at people around you and you see how they cope, right? They, they cope by cracking a beer, they cope by popping a pill, they cope by whatever strategy, and that is a learned phenomenon. So certainly that nature versus nurture is kind of all coming into this little dysfunctional soup that we stir up that can, that can lead to addiction. But the fourth risk factor is one of the things that's that's really your responsibility from this part. They're all your responsibility, but this is an unfulfilled life because the truth is a lot of people can be highly sensitive people. They can be empaths. A lot of people can have poor coping skills, but, but people can have poor coping skills and this coping skill can be achievement. The coping skill can be overdoing it, not addiction right? Not everybody who has all these risk factors leads to addiction. People can work in other ways. They can, they can develop other strategies, but your particular coping mechanism for this psychological soup is addiction right now. Now, the great news is, is you can actually reduce these risk factors or work within them in order to start to heal the psychological phenomenon. Addiction lives here in the brain. It doesn't let trauma lives in the body and addiction lives in the brain. Think about this. How long does it take to detox, right? Seven days, your body, you're physiologically not addicted anymore. We, we know this research shows this. You go through a detox, you are not physically addicted anymore. You have released that from your body. You've gone through withdrawals, you're, but you're psychologically addicted for as long as you decide not to do the work. You can rewire your brain. That's the great news. So the addiction lives in the brain. It's a psychological disorder. So how do you treat a psychological disorder? If you, you have to understand how you got here in the first place. So that's the price. The price is getting to know yourself. And honestly, one size does not fit all. Not everybody has the same answers. Not everybody has the same unfulfilled life. Your unfulfillment, you've got to be willing to dive into your life and figure out where were you unfulfilled? Yes, you could say, well, addiction creates the unfulfillment because addiction stole everything. No, there's an, I was perfect before I started using drugs. And I go, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. It's a lame attempt to happiness. Addiction is a lame attempt at happiness. That's how you came by this. You, you decided, you know what? Socially, I suck. I don't have a lot of friends. I don't know how to be myself and open up. But soon, when I take this substance, oh, you know what? I feel more social. Actually, they are marketing drugs and telling you you'll be more social instead of actually helping you learn how to be social without the drugs and alcohol. So, oh, but when I have a drink, it feels a little good. It feels better, right? I'm able to socialize. And then you notice when you have a drink, it helps maybe intimately in your intimate relationships at well, 
as well at first. You're able to have sex. You're able to like open up and be intimate and do all these things. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, alcohol solves a lot of problems or pills solve a lot of problems until eventually the very thing they solved, they start to create problems in that area. And then the person goes, oh my God, the drugs are the issue in our sex life. The, the alcohol is the issue in this area, but the issue existed before the drugs and alcohol. That's why you started using drugs and alcohol in the first place. You have to be willing to pay the psychological price to get inside of your own mind and figure out what the hell's going on, why you were led to drugs and alcohol in the first place. And then you have to get about the business of le learning how to tolerate more stress not make your life, life st stress-free. Like how can I like avoid stress at all times? It's exposure therapy, hun. You got to learn how to up your stress level, your increase your ability to handle stress so that you don't need to have a drink or take a pill every time something out of the ordinary happens, right? Moms that make the videos about, I'm going to have my mommy juice so I can tolerate the soccer game. Honey, you got to learn how to be in the soccer game without being an alcoholic, I mean, I know that I'm speaking, I'm saying things that are like, oh, geez, ouch, Heidi. Wow, that hurts. That doesn't feel, but I, I know that from my experience, speaking that truth to you in absolute love, which I am doing because I know that you deserve better than the life that you're living. You deserve more than what you're giving yourself. You deserve more love, more opportunities for connection. You deserve more psychological freedom. You deserve that. But in order for me to help you, the price that we need to pay is radical honesty. One of the prices that we pay is radical truth. That you think that it's helping you relax and your child just wants you to be present and not be drinking at their goddamn soccer game. All right. Cause they're looking over thinking, Jesus, she's not even here. She's drinking. I mean, Okay. That's the way that it is. So we want to get inside of our own mind and figure out the psychological price that we need to pay. What does that look like for you? Uh, when we get to the other prices that we pay, I'll talk about how to set yourself up so that you can get inside of your own mind. If you just try to do this by yourself and you follow a one size fits all, like you know, AA and all that is absolutely wonderful. And there are lots of programs, but you have to know there are so many roads to Rome. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but one size fits all program where all we focus on are your character defects and how you're fucked up and what's wrong with you. This isn't the approach that I'm trying to take here. I'm telling you, you've been using drugs and alcohol for a very good reason. You have to figure out what that real reason is. It's not because you like the taste of alcohol. It's not because you like to relax a little bit. <clears throat> it is the solution to one of these bigger issues in your life. And you've got to figure out what that issue is. If you do not pay that price, you will be sober for a little while and you'll white knuckle and you'll do your thing and you'll go to, you'll try to do whatever or meetings weren't for me. That wasn't the path that I took. I decided that that wasn't how the path that I wanted to take for myself. Um, but if you're, if you don't, if you just are constantly focused on how bad you are or what's wrong with you, you're going to end up feeling much worse and not getting underneath the root cause. So we, even though I'm speaking radical truth to you and transparency, and like I'm saying hard things, you have to know that compassion is the name of the game here. We don't, there is no condemnation and criticism 
there is only curiosity. It's not like, oh, what's wrong with me? Why do I take that drink to the soccer game? Fuck, what, what am I doing? Why am I like mommy juice in it? What's up? What's the matter with me? That's not the approach that's going to set you free. That is not the path to freedom. The path to freedom is led with love, self-love. You have to have curiosity over condemnation and criticism. And you have to say, why am I really doing this? What is this giving me? What would it be like without that drink at this soccer game? How do I feel whenever I have that drink and what is it giving me? And what is the belief that I can't create that feeling on my own? That kind of curiosity is the psychological price we need to pay. We need to go deep inside of our own minds to figure out the root causes of our use in the first place. That is non-negotiable. For me, uh, when I got sober 12 years ago, alcohol was a solution to so many things. And the psychological price I had to pay was to figure out how was I avoiding intimacy in my own life? I was terrified. I was terrified of real intimacy. I was terrified of abandonment. I was terrified, not really abandonment. I, I was more terrified of rejection. So I convinced myself not to need anybody or be too close to anybody. And as a result of that, whenever I had alcohol, I could not care as much if somebody wanted to be around me or not, it didn't matter. My true nature is not to really care, but I was so addicted to this pleasing and wanting to do the right thing and wanting to be perfect that alcohol was the only place I actually let myself unleash and unload. I was not giving myself permission psychologically to be myself. I had myself on lock. And the only time I allowed myself to be who I really was, was when I was drunk. All right. And, and that's that crazy because we're not who we really are when we're drunk, right? We're not, but we hear all those things that people say, oh, well, yeah, sober man speaks his truth. You know, maybe that's true to some extent, but at some point in your addiction, that addictive personality takes over and it starts whispering truths in your ear that are total fucking lies, right? Okay. The next price that we have to be willing to pay is the emotional price. Now, part of addiction is this desire to feel good all the time. We're in immediate gratification and it's not even all our fault. Society also perpetuates this. Are you down? I take the pill. Uh, not feeling too great today. Uh, what's wrong with you? Hey, why are you sad? Uh, you must be depressed. Uh, you're nervous. Well, you must have anxiety. You can't focus. Well, you're ADD. You know, we we have this society right now that makes us believe that emotions, anything other than a positive emotion, is bad. You can start by reading the Tao of Feeling, T A O, the Tao of Feeling by Pete Walker, that will help you understand even more the price that we need to pay in recovery. It is an emotional roller coaster that we need to buckle up and be willing to go on for long enough until the sickness stops, right? Especially if you're allergic to loop-de-loops, right? So you have to be willing to go on that emotional roller coaster. You have to be willing to sit with your feelings and the uncomfortable parts. You have to be willing to stop escaping from yourself, which is a form of self-abandonment. You have to be willing to stay with your emotions long enough to get to the root of them and figure out where they come from so that you can resolve them, right? Feelings don't last forever. They're, they're, they, they, they've ebb and flow, but we want to have a permanent feeling. We want to feel good all the time. And actually that is the problem. You're not meant to feel good all the time. If we look at our lives, we're meant to follow Kind of the seasons, right? The moon, the seasons, there's a winter, a spring and a summer and a fall. And we don't want to feel a winter. Winters are cold. They're lonely. They're isolative. You know, winters are barren. There's everything's dead. You know, 
you need to go through your own winters and your lifetime so that you can really embrace and enjoy the spring. Everything needs to die before something new is born, but we don't want to do that. We want to resist. We don't want mm-hmm. anything to die. Part of the emotional price that you need to pay is the death of a lot of things and you need to grieve. Part of the emotional price you pay for recovery from your addiction and freedom from that addiction is grieving so many things, grieving the pain that you've caused others when you're brave enough to look at it, grieving the pain you've caused yourself and the suffering you've caused yourself when you're brave enough to look at it, grieving the loss of the thing you thought you loved, grieving alcohol, grieving pills, grieving the loss of the friend that got you through the tough times, letting it go. Grief is the name of the game in recovery. People want to get sober and ride that goddamn pink cloud all the way into the rest of their life. And it doesn't last. The pink cloud is like, man, yes, I feel so good because I made the decision to quit, you know, and it's the new year. And a lot of us have done that. Oh yeah, this is the year and you feel so good. But all of a sudden the things you were medicating start to rise up and become apparent and you feel worse before you feel better. And that's right around the time, like 30 days, most relapses happen in treatment on day 28. Why? Start to feel pretty good again. Start to feel pretty good. You've done that thing where you've gotten rid of the physiological addiction and you're starting to work on your brain a little bit and you're riding that pink cloud, but then you go home and reality sets in and you're like, oh shit, the same issues are there that made me really want to escape in the first place. That's when you go to work in your life. You start recovery day 30. You start recovery after you leave the treatment center, not while you're in it. And most people do not understand that price. They think I went to treatment. It didn't work. It didn't fix me. Well, honey, that's not what it's there to do. It's there to get you there long enough so you can get your head on straight so that you can get to work in your own life. The next price we pay is physical. Now, The psychological is a place where I used to love to live. It was so much easier for me to just be in my own mind and think, because I'm a thinker. Um, I'm a thinker by nature. If you're into personality tests, I'm an INTP or an ENTP right on the fence. Um, You know, I'm an eight in the Enneagram. I just, you know, let's go, which is a little bit of movement, but it doesn't feel feelings. It's like, let's, you know, move on. Let's go. Let's go. What do we need to do? Um, And I'm, I'm, I'm just a thinker. So the body was the last place I wanted to explore. And for many of us, that's where the trauma is stored, right? The the Body Keeps Score is an excellent book that you want to pick up. And that's all about trauma and the body. And um, that's a good place to start if you want to learn about this. Also, um, Pete Walker, another book by Pete Walker called CPTSD, uh, the c- complex post-traumatic stress. And that is what we've created in addiction. You don't have to grow up in trauma. We've created enough trauma with our addiction in order to qualify for having some P- CPTSD. And so when we learn, oh my gosh, okay, I've got a lot of work to do somatically in my body. There are many people that you can reach out to, somatic therapists that will teach you how to heal that trauma. You can do breath work, transformational breath work is an amazing resource and way to start healing. My healing came from a combination of that breath work and dance. I did somatic movement dance therapy. And for me, that was a way where I could only get so far psychologically in my healing. And there, but there still be these trauma trapped inside of my body. I did Reiki as well. But when I did dance, what happened was it would release. I'd be crying. I'd be shaking. I'd be doing all these things and crying about things I didn't even know I needed to cry about. 
And then afterwards, I would just feel so much better. We think we need to be in therapy and talking and talking, and that's very valuable, but there's a time where this can only take you so far. Your brain only takes you so far and you need to tap into your body for the rest of the way. So I think that, you know, I always recommend dance, a dance therapy. I'm not talking about going to the nightclub and, and shaking it sober with the headphones on how you see people do. I'm talking about getting yourself a really highly qualified somatic movement therapist who facilitates ecstatic dance, healing dance. If you happen to be in South Florida, there is a beautiful soul named Star Triana at J Star Studios, J-A-I-S-T-A-R Studios. And she also has videos online. So if you're worldwide, I know so many of my um, uh, viewers watch things from all over the world, South Africa and Switzerland and Germany and Australia and you know just everywhere all around the world. And so I will link her channel here. I'll link her channel down below so that you can watch some of the things I'm talking about. It really was life-changing for me. It was probably one of the most critical parts to my healing and recovery um, than, than, than I can even give justice to, okay? The other price we pay for recovery is a financial price. And this might seem kind of obvious, like, oh, I know treatment's like 80 grand. I mean, treatment, if you're not insured, can run from a couple thousand dollars, right? Like if you get scholarship somewhere all the way to $80,000 a month, that is a, a big price to pay for treatment. But let's say you have good insurance and you go to treatment and it's covered. You still need to continue making financial investments in your healing. Now, there are lots of resources, right? Um, AA is definitely a resource. That's a free resource. But again, there are so many roads to Rome and not everybody lines up with one way. And this was really hard for me at first because I got sober well before I, about a year before I started working at the treatment center. And when I got sober, so many people would say, um, are you going to go to AA? Are you going to do AA? And I just, you know, I was so into personal development. I had been to 1 million Unleash the Power Withins at Tony Robbins. And I just wasn't applying it in every area of my life. I was like an overachieving binge drinker, right? So for me, it's not that I didn't qualify to be in that room. I definitely had a problem with substance use disorder. There is no doubt about it. But for me, I didn't relate and identify to the, the way that things were spoken in there, that uh, I line up with a more affirming, positive approach. And But however, when I would say to people in my life that didn't really know me too well, and I would say, I'm, I'm getting sober. And they'd say, oh, you're going to meetings, they're going to AA. And I said, no. I don't really want to do that. And they would say, well, good luck with that, honey. You're going to die. I mean, I swear to you, that is what they would tell me. You're, you're going to die because that's the only way. And that was really hurtful for me because, you know, if I hadn't had all the training up until that point, I might've believed them and then gone to something and poured my heart into something that just didn't resonate with me. And, but I didn't do that. I went about my own personal development approach. And ironically, we, I worked at the treatment center because my husband and I got recruited. He was working with Tony Robbins and we got recruited from Tony Robbins to come into the treatment center to teach those modalities to the addicts and alcoholics. So what road do you need to take? What path is going to be the right path for you? It's not a solo job. You can't do this alone. You shouldn't do this alone. You should have a team of people around you to support you, but a team of people that resonate with you. There are lots of different resources and I'm forgetting his name right now, but there's also this guy that has the alcohol-free lifestyle. Just type in alcohol-free lifestyle and he will pop up. He has got 
a brilliant program that walks you through uh, 30 days. You just start there and then you go from there. Smart recovery is another approach that's not AA based. It is just more um, neuro-linguistic programming, which is what Tony Robbins uses. It's more positive psychology focused and that will help you as well. Or you get a coach, you get somebody who is a coach in this area, but that's not all you should have. In addition to a coach, you should have a qualified therapist, somebody who can do the deep dive. You should have a somatic practitioner that you go see, a Reiki healer, masseuse, a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. Like you should be investing in yourself. Now, even people who are like, well, looking at you, Heidi, and you're like, yeah, go get a chiropractor. And isn't that so nice for you? Because I guess you can, I see your Louis Vuitton in the background. I guess you can afford to go to the chiropractor. Well, okay. It's, I, I understand, but here's what I want to ask you. Drugs are expensive as fuck. All right. The, the path that you've been on is not a cheap, all right. It is very expensive to maintain a drug addicted lifestyle. If it's not financially expensive, it's psychologically expensive, it's emotionally expensive, you have been paying a higher price than you will pay at the Cairo, I guarantee. So get your little butt to the Cairo and get yourself worked on, okay? It's going to be life-changing for you. And then the last thing is the spiritual component. Now, this is hard for so many people. Anne Lamont has this great quote in one of her books about when she was a little girl and all the suffering that she, it was her, Jeanette Wallace. It was one of the two, Glass Castles or Anne Lamont. Uh, the, it was either The Liar's Club or The Glass Castle, which are two excellent, excellent books about growing up in dysfunction. And so I, she said something about God forgot her address. You know, she felt like God always forgot her address. I think it was Anne Lamont. I felt like that too. I felt like I, many times I wrestled with my spirituality, trying to figure out what I really believed in. I didn't line up with so many things. There is not one road to Rome. There are many paths to your spirituality, but you have to be willing to seek. Addiction is narcissistic and that personality convinces you that nobody cares about you, that there is nothing beyond you, that it's you're dead and empty and nobody cares about you. But the truth is we need to believe and have faith in something greater than us that's either outside of us or within us. And once you connect to that source, everything else changes from there. That source, either within or without, whatever you believe, whatever your belief system is, it either lives up here or it lives in here. And when you tap into it, it provides you with a divine direction and intuition to guide you into your next steps. This morning, I followed that divine intuition and I decided to make this teaching for you specifically. I love you. You are loved. You are wanted. You matter. Uh, you are not broken. It is not too late for you. It is the perfect timing for you. You are here for a reason. You are here on purpose. You matter. Your family d deserves all of you. They will forgive you. And if they can't forgive you, it's okay. You can forgive you. You have the strength you need to grieve what you need to grieve. You have the power within you to make the very first decision, which is just God's curiosity I'm willing to look, I'm willing to question, I'm willing to stop condemning and criticizing myself long enough to see why I'm doing that thing I'm doing. I will invest in myself, Heidi. I will go to detox so I can at least clear my head enough to start to figure this stuff out. Amen. I believe in you. 
you deserve this opportunity for yourself. What you're doing now, whether you believe you are functioning alcoholic and nobody knows, or you're full blown, you are never too far gone or never too early in your path to have an intervention and stop it now. You deserve that. If you want more help to do that, please feel free to send me a message. I will link the things that I talked about in this video. Start to do your research. You've got to get involved in your own recovery. You need to remember nobody's coming with that key, honey. It's an inside job. The lock is on the inside, not the outside. You can free yourself, but you just need to get to work. I love you. Take excellent care of yourself and I'll see you really soon.